Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. But the title for today is Escaping Life's Traps. Escaping Life's Traps, Joshua 9, 1-16. Have you ever fallen into a trap? You ever find yourself in a bad place, a bad spot, something, you know, just you've been completely tricked by a trap? I remember when I was a kid and one of our favorite things was building straw tunnels. We would build tunnels in the straw and climb through the tunnels and we had these really great tunnels. But one time it was the tunnel of all tunnels. Uh, I was out in the field doing the hard work, putting the straw into the wagons, but my brother Billy, and a lot of you met Billy, uh, and his friend Ed, I remember him well, they decided to build a straw tunnel. We were putting the straw in the wagons and they were unloading it and they, while they were unloading and stacking it, they decided to make something really cool. And so I got back at the end of the day and they said, look at this, we have a great tunnel. And it was the classic tunnel. The, the, the straw, you know, the, the wall of straw pile up was like 30 or 40 feet high and right in the middle, there's this cliff, right in the middle there was a hole going into it. And then a little ways away, there's a hole coming out of it, just like a woodchuck hole, right? And I was like, oh. it was like real, because we used to always sit up at the top and, you know, we were finishing, but they made it as part of the whole complex of the straw tunnels. And they're like, this is the best straw tunnel they really talk about. Like, I can't wait. And so I'm climbing up the cliff, you know, trying to get up there, you know, grabbing the, the, the bells. And, and I get up and they follow me, my brother Billy and Ed, and, and his friend Ed said, follow me, follow me. And we go cheering in. This is great. And, and you're, you hear him laughing ahead. And it was pitch black. Couldn't see a thing. It was crazy. And we're going, hitting the walls and going around. And, and they're like, come on, keep coming, keep coming. Come on, go faster. And I'm, I'm going also on. There was nothing. I was falling. And it, it's hard to explain, but it's a little scary in these straw tunnels. I, you know, even though we were in there, it's a little scary being way in these straw. But all of a sudden, there was nothing. I was free falling, right? And uh, I was just gone. It was like nothing. All of a sudden, wham, I go landing and landing. And it turned out they had put a pit 12 feet deep right in the middle of the straw tunnels. And, and, and they had ledges on the side, so when they went through, they just grabbed the ledges and went across in the dark. They knew where it was going to be, around a certain corner. I know, head first, wham, 12 feet down, in the pitch black. I, w- I still remember, I was stunned. I was shocked. I was like, yeah, and, I, and I, it, was like, it was like, what? Did, all right? and, and so I was just in shock. And, and I'm like, and I hear them, ha, 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 we got you, we got you, we got you. I'm like, I realized what they did it was ge- evil genius. They put this pit right in the middle, and, and I never saw it coming. And I come climbing up, you know, and I'm like, just a minute, I'm going to get everybody else. And we went and got all the siblings and ran them through, and then we went and got the neighbors, and we ran them through, and every time, I, I, every time anybody came, we, this was like a... a you know, better than the carnival. Everybody's coming over because they heard this great straw tunnel and every one of them, bam, bam, bam. Now, how nobody broke their necks, I don't know. Why it didn't occur to us, well, why did it occur to my parents that, what are the kids all in that tunnel for, yeah? And, I mean, it was shocking. Several times there was three or four people go piling, you know, flying in together on top of each other. It was a long time. You always went down head first. It's, it's really a miracle. There weren't, you know, something serious happened, right? Guardian angels. But I'll never forget, <laughs> Bob, did, Bob did the same thing on the farm. Uh, but 
The same thing happens to the Israelites today. They're going to have the same shocking experience today. And it happens to us too, spiritually. We fall into spiritual traps that are just as shocking. We're in just as a dark place, beat up, wounded, broken up, just the same. And we have to learn from what happened to the Israelites. But Lord, we just pray for your mercy and grace now. We know we're here for a reason. And pray that we would get out of the way and let you work in our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, quick review. Get to see these or go on the podcast, YouTube site if you haven't been here. But, but we've been watching how Israel messed up. They messed up at AI. They didn't seek God. They were disciplined. They were restored. They re- Last week we saw how they recommitted themselves. And now look what happens next. After the big recommitment... After the mess up, after the big recommitment, and listen to what happens next. We'll pick it up verse 1. Now when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, those in the hill country, in the western foothills, and along the entire coast of the Great Sea, as far as Lebanon, the kings of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, and Termites. I was seeing if you were listening. I was seeing if you were listening. Sometimes, if you didn't say anything, I would have been upset. They came together to make war against Joshua and Israel. They just recommit themselves. They're all excited spiritually. They took this big step of faith. Remember, 100 miles into enemy territory, Mount Ebal. If you weren't here, it's a wild story. And what happens? They get attacked. And this is a warning for us today. If we commit ourselves, or if we recommit our lives to God, expect attacks. If you, remember when you first put your faith in Christ, maybe you haven't yet, but I hope you do soon. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ and put your faith in Him, remember that most, many of you have done this, you remember, you say, God, I, I'm giving my life to Jesus, I'm putting my faith in Him, I repent of sin, I turn away from it, I ask you to forgive me, I, I know Jesus died in my place on that cross, and I'm giving my life to Him. The moment you do that, you become a, a, a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes in, you become a brand new person in Jesus Christ, and you became a target. A target. Be ready to be attacked. Well, most of you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's a time for attack. Those family members that we're, we're so close to, all of a sudden they're after us all of a sudden. They're against us, remember? And our best friends, sometimes our very best friends, now they're, now they're like stabbing us in the back. And because you know why? You just changed sides. <laughs> you changed teams. They didn't. You, it's like, you know, you're, it's like you were an Eagle fan with them and now you're cheering for the Giants, you know? You know, uh, we won't go there. There's theological differences there. I know that. But, but anyway, that's what you did. They haven't changed. You have changed. You've changed. And, they, and it freaks them out. And there's going to be attacks. In fact, in 1 Peter 4, 4, it says this about it. It says, they're talking about your friends and family members. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation. And they heap abuse on you. They think it's crazy. You don't do the... It's working. They, they think it's crazy. They don't, they, you don't do what they used to do with them. All those things that you thought were so good, but now the Holy Spirit's convicting you of and, and you know you can't do that anymore because it's not right. It doesn't make you like Christ, and you want to be like Christ. You know, but they, it, it, it's crazy. The same thing goes if you recommit your life to Jesus Christ. Here's something. 
If you recommit yourself after a spiritual victory, you've really fought hard and you have a spiritual victory in your life, expect it. After a baptism, you've been baptized. Remember, that's so moving. You come out of that river and it's awesome. The Holy Spirit's everywhere on you and in you. And, and then you go home and wham, 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 right? Or on a retreat, you come back from a retreat or a mission trip and you're all excited. Expect attacks. Expect it. They just recommitted themselves and they're attacked. If you take a stand for Jesus Christ, you stand up for him, or you take a stand against the world, or, or its idols, all the different idols in the world, if you, if you speak up for, you know, for something spiritually, and you say, yeah, I know the whole culture is doing this, but it's not right. Jesus says this. If you take the stand and you decide to live pure, if you take it, expect to be attacked. It's like the fiery furnace. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They took a stand. They wouldn't bow down to the, 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 the idol. They wouldn't do it. What happened? They were thrown in the fiery furnace, but before they were thrown into the fiery furnace, it was made seven times hotter. It's going to get hotter and hotter and hotter. But look who stood with them. Jesus. Jesus stood with them in that fiery furnace. The Son of God. The Israelites were attacked. But one group tried a different method. They laid a trap. They laid a trap. I know something about traps. I did a lot of trapping as a kid. Don't be upset with me. But I did some trapping. You know, I was, you know, I was like, <laughs> did some trapping. That's what farm kids do. We've got to make some money. All right, so we, we trapped. They were just big rats. They're called muskrats. But anyway, we won't go there. But uh, the, we did some trapping. But I remember I got my first trap, and I was going to, figure out how to do it and we would put it in the water and there's these big water rats called muskrats would step on and then well we won't go there but anyway the uh but i remember setting the trap practicing i was out by i remember i was out by the barn and i was setting the trap and it was this little leg trap and i was setting it and practicing i'd stick a you know and i'd stick a stick it you know this door again then i said i gotta figure out how to cover it up so i sprinkled some hay over it and camouflaged it and then my brothers were like hey chuck come on we're gonna play they were playing something in the yard and i'm like Oh, okay. And I, I went running over. And I said, I'll be right back. I went running over thinking I'll come right back. I went over and we're playing in the yard, playing all the I heard this screech. One of the cats stepped in the trap. You know, one of the barn cats was stuck in the trap. You know, it, was like, it was like freaking out. It didn't like it. it. I don't know what these, you know, you know, cats, you know. It didn't like it. And I went over and I tried to get in. The cat turned on and he's clawing and biting at me, you know. And I couldn't do anything. I finally, everybody came running over. We grabbed it, covered it up with a coat and I got the... Trap opened just enough to get its paw out, and it shot out and disappeared. It was crazy. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. God warns us against falling into those traps. He warns us about this. Don't fall into traps. He warned the Israelites not to fall into a very important trap. Back in Numbers, before Joshua, back in Numbers 33, and I know we've read this several times, he says, verse 51, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you cross the Jordan and the Canaan, drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you. Destroy all their carved images and their cast idols and demolish all their high places. Take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given you the land to possess. Going down to verse 55. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. Then... They will give you trouble in the land where you will live, and then I will do to you what I plan to do to them. The Canaanites were to be driven out completely. 
Because the Canaanites were a physical picture of a spiritual reality to us. Their physical enemy is a picture of our spiritual enemy, which is sin. Canaanites are sin. Just as the city's strongholds are sin strongholds, the people who live inside of them are the sin. It's a picture. It's a physical picture for us to see. And they were commanded to wipe them out, to drive them out. God's judgment, he was judging them. He uh, judged the Canaanites. Later on, he judged the Israelites the same way. And he will judge the USA today if we don't listen to his word and respond to his word and repent. Look what is happening. Matthew 24, birth pains. We're seeing it. We're seeing it. We can't miss it. Even the non-Christians are figuring something out. Something's going on, right? Uh, the, the hurricanes and the shootings and the terrorism and the country. This is a big one. The country is divided. Completely divided. That's a sign of God's judgment on a country is when he sends division into a country. And we're facing the same issues that we're seeing as a country. We're facing the same thing the Israelites were facing. It's either repentance and revival or judgment. Have we crossed that line of grace yet? Only God knows. But, but we better not take any more steps toward it. It's got to be repentance and revival. And it has to start with the church. Israel was warned. They were warned. But even though they were warned back in... Numbers, and even though they had just learned their lessons of dependence, remember, and they were disciplined and they just had recommitted themselves, they still fell for a trap. Can you believe that? I mean, like, think of us. Once we learn our lesson, we never mess up again, do we? Once we stand up to a sin or a temptation, or once we surrender to God, that's it. We're just moving forward. No more. Important lessons here for us. They still fell into this trap. The next, very next thing, the next story. Joshua 9, starting with verse 3, says, However, when the people of Gibeon heard that what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. The men put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal and said to him and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. The men of Israel said to the Hivites, But perhaps you live near us. How then can we make a treaty with you? We are your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua asked, Who are you and where do you come from? They answered, Your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God. For we have heard reports of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, Sion king of Heshbon and Og king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth. And our elders and all those living in our country said to us, Take provisions for your journey to go and meet them and say to them, We are your servants. Make a treaty with us. This bread of ours was warm when we packed it at home and on the day we left to come to you, but now see how dried and moldy it is. And these wineskins that we filled were new, but see how cracked they are. And our clothes and sandals are worn out by the very long journey. The men of Israel sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. 
Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. The trap has sprung. How could they fall for this? It's like watching a horror movie. You know, you're watching that scary movie and, and the, the, the young person or the person is going into the dark house. They have a flat tire and they're going in and you're like, no, don't go in because, you know, the camera already showed the guy with a knife. You know, don't go in. No, no, no. Don't open that door. Or the old ones were the best. There was a casket in the house and, and this young, beautiful girl would go up to the casket and would open the casket and there'd be a vampire on You know, like, don't open the casket don't do it yeah don't do it and you're saying this the same thing don't do this again you just learned an ai don't make the same mistake you're falling for a trap the whole don't open that door but don't we do the same thing we think we've learned a lesson and then we fall flat again and we can even hear the voice we can hear, hear the voice of conviction the holy spirit saying don't go there don't open that door don't go to that channel. Don't look at that on the phone. Don't computer, whatever. Don't go out with this person. Don't do this. We can hear, but we fall flat again. And, and the command was, they were commanded to drive them out, but they didn't. Why? Because they were deceived by sin. They were deceived by sin. Have you ever been deceived by sin? <laughs> if you're breathing, then you have, right? Uh, find, we find ourselves stuck in it. How does this happen? It's because sin is so deceptive. The person using the temptations is so good at it. And, and it's so deceptive. You, you need this. You deserve this. And it doesn't matter what it is. X, Y, and Z. A through Z. You deserve it. Bl- we, we blame it on someone else. The, the, that person made me mad. That person got me here. This person didn't meet my needs. And that's why I'm here. It's no big deal. Just this once. I just want to see what it's like. Does the Bible really say this is wrong? What did God really mean? I know what it says, but what did he really mean? It feels good. How can, how can it be wrong when it feels so good? Isn't that the American mantra? <laughs> yeah. It's not hurting anyone else. It's not hurting anyone while it poisons our soul. Whether it kills us fast or slow, it's still killing us spiritually. And we can learn some very important lessons from what the Israelites' failure did here. And we can, and I hope these lessons, I know we're going to still struggle, uh, but, but hopefully we'll get out of a trap today. Or hopefully we'll avoid a future trap. Maybe even right after church we'll avoid a trap. And there's three Three things, uh, three P's, uh, lessons here. And I came up with three P's. The first one is pride. They appealed to their pride. That's the first thing they did. Hey, we heard about you guys. You're famous. We're from far away and everybody knows what God has done through you guys. You're famous. And whenever that happens, pride makes us all vulnerable. Pride's at the face of, this, uh, of sin itself, Right? It makes us vulnerable. And they say, now, you know, look how they appeal to them. They say, we are your servants. We're, we're here to serve you. Doesn't that sound great? Oh, yeah. Nice. Who doesn't want to be served? And that's the lie that sin tells us, isn't it? Isn't that what it tells us? Hey, you're going to get something good out of this. 
We're going to help you. We're going we're to get something that somehow it's not being met in our mind. Somehow we're not getting it the way we should get it. So I'm going to get it this way. It's going to serve me. It reminds me of, when they said that, we're your servants. It reminds me of um, an old Twilight Zone show. I used to love the old ones. And there was one called To Serve Mankind. To Serve Mankind. In fact, I went and Googled it to look it up. It came from a book, actually. uh, An article, somebody wrote a sci-fi article. But in this this Twilight Zone show, they had uh, these aliens came from outer space, and they show up uh, on a mission to Earth, and they said, we're here, and I'm going to read you the quotes. We're bringing humans the peace and plenty which we ourselves enjoy and which we have in the past brought to other races throughout the galaxy. And they soon showed the people on earth, uh, they, they gave them unlimited power, you know, so they didn't have to burn coal or, or anything. They showed them how to have this, this, this unlimited power. They had boundless supplies of food, all the food they could eat. They showed them how to have, have food and there was no more hunger. They, gave them a device that if you used it, they could stop all weapons from being used. So there was peace brought to earth. All these great things were happening. And, uh, and they also gave them a, a drug to prolong their life. They showed people how they could live for a long time. So it was like awesome. These aliens come to the United Nations and they, they give them all this stuff. And as a further token of their friendship, they set up an exchange student. They would exchange system, not students, exchange where they would take people from Earth for 10-year trips to their planet and, and to show them their goodwill. They could go out, you could sign up, and everybody was anxious to sign up because they wanted to see this awesome planet. And, and they had a book called uh, To Serve Man. To serve man. And this, was the, this is our mantra. This is what drives us. We go around the universe doing this, following this book, to serve. And we brought this special edition to Earth, and it was just English was on the front, but the rest was in alien giggly goop, gobbly goop, whatever you call it. So they couldn't read it. But, but everybody was thrilled, everybody's excited, except one guy had a bad feeling about all this. And he just did, had a bad feeling, and he said, I'm going to try to figure out, I'm going to spy on these people somehow. And he goes into their special building that they had set up at their embassy, and he starts to work there, and he starts to try to learn the language. And he finds the alien English dictionary they had stashed away, and he starts it, and he's, he learns language, and then he goes in, and he comes across their main book, the big book that's like their, their Bible, really, How to, to Serve Man. And he... he uh, translated it, and it turned out that it was a cookbook. A cookbook. All those, they were just fattening up the humans to eat them and taking them back to their planet to eat them. And the whole thing was a cookbook. A cookbook. Isn't that exactly what Satan does with sin? The lie. Hey, I'm here to serve you. I just want you to have a good time. I just want you to enjoy yourself. Don't follow that old Bible and God rules. And I want you to have fun. And we know it's a lie. If you've been around long enough, you know what a lie it is. The only way to have joy and peace is following God's word. He's the one who wants us to have fun. The Satan only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The key, though, is to humble ourselves not to have pride but to humble ourselves and I'm gonna, for this one i'm gonna say humble ourselves before others very important to get feedback to get 
accept feedback from other people. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's very important to get feedback and accept feedback. Because you know why? Others can see what we're going through before we can usually, right? We could be heading to a, toward the cliff, you know, into that dark tunnel. And people will say, so don't go, I, I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to have fun. I'm fulfill, finding fulfillment in that dark tunnel, right? And, and, and it's very important that we don't let pride come in. We humble ourselves for, for others. Second P is prayer. Not just pride, but prayer. They did not pray. They didn't inquire of God. The same mistake they made with AI, the very next thing, they did, they did it again. Is that shocking? Can you believe people wouldn't, they wouldn't pray again? Can you believe they would mess up and because they didn't pray and then the very next episode they do it again? Because we all pray all the time. I'm sure we all got up really early and prayed a lot this morning. Don't we do the same thing? We slip right back into self-sufficiency instead of that depending on God through that prayer. Very, very easy to do. The key is to humble ourselves before God, get God's feedback, and we must stay dependent on Him or we will be deceived very, very quickly. The third one is priorities. I I pushed this one a little bit. Priorities. What they did is they sampled the bread. Remember, they, they, they tried the bread, but they didn't sample the bread from heaven. Notice that? When we sample the world's bread, but not God's bread, the bread from heaven, we don't go to God's word. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When we don't go to God's word, we are in danger. I see it all the time. I see a Christian who's doing great, and then they fall away from the word. Or a teenager, when I was, you know, see teenagers, and I'm, you know, it's all of us, but teenagers getting immersed in the culture. They're doing great spiritually. Then, then we get immersed in the culture. We start TV and, and the computer and the cell phone and the music and the peer pressure. And pretty soon it's, we're just getting like brainwashed, right? And we drift away from fellowship with God. We drift away from His Word. And then we fall away. And I, I have seen I've lived it. I've experienced it. I struggle with myself, but I, I see it so much as, as a pastor. People are doing great, and then they fall away from God's word and, and fellowship, and they get into the world, and the next thing you know, there's a crash. The marriage crashes. Oh, I, the sad, sad stories. The marriage crashes. The family crashes. The person crashes. Their life falls apart, and it, all because they got immersed. They sampled the world. And they lived on the world instead of on, on God's word and, and, and the fellowship. And it happens without even realizing it. Without even realizing, all of a sudden they have Gibby nights in the land. They're stuck with these guys. Wait till we go on further. They're stuck. And the same thing happens. Before we even realize it, all of a sudden our mind is twisted. And our, and our, and our minds have been conformed. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So many times we get conformed, we get squeezed by the world. Instead of letting God's word, anytime they're all summer starting to have attitudes and things that go against his word, that's what's happened. We've been conformed. The key is we, our priority must be God's word and fellowshipping with Christians and to stay on our guard. Awesome verse. I, it's an easy one to remember. Memorize it, Matthew twenty six forty one. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the, the flesh 
is weak. I used to teach the kids that all the time. Watch and pray so you won't fall in the temptation. We went through the motion. But it's, it's a great one to start off every day with. Very, very important. How have we been deceived by sin? How have we been deceived? Israel was deceived. They ended up with an enemy in the land. This Gibeonite league and cities, a string of cities was right in the heart of Israel from then on. And you know something? This is what's wild. When the nation split, later on when the nation split, when God allowed the nation to split, divided them because of their sin, division is a picture of God's judgment. Ten tribes, two tribes, as a judgment on them. It could happen here. When, when, that, when that happened, when they split, they split on the exact boundary line of these cities. Did you know that? The Gibeonite cities are the exact boundary that Israel ended up splitting on because they allowed this stronghold to remain in the middle of the land. It ended up haunting them and it ended up fracturing this nation. And the same, it reminds me, it reminds me of the same thing with our country. How when we allow sin in our country, it ends up fracturing us, fracturing us. We allowed slavery, the sin of slavery, the horrible thing in our country. And look what it did. It fractured this country and we have a we had a horrible civil war. We have, we're doing it again. We've allowed the sin of abortion in this country. And we have fractured this country again. The deception of abortion, the lie of abortion has fractured our country. At the base of all the fighting you see out there, politics, whatever you want to call it, whatever, if there's a moral issue, it's abortion. It's the new slavery. It's unbelievable to the, 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 connect the dots. It's unbelievable. But that's what sin does. Sin fractures our lives. It fractures our relationship with God, doesn't it? When we sin, you know how you feel kind of far from God? He didn't move. We have. It, we, we, until, we, until we repent, until we confess and repent of that sin, then we can be right back again. But until then, it breaks our fellowship with God. It fractures our marriages. We're deceived by the lie of sexual sin or some other sin, and it fractures marriages. It fractures our families. We see sin fracturing families all over the place. How about this one? Uh, uh, I can try drugs. I can use drugs. I can enjoy it without any bad effects. And it's fracturing families all across the country. 50,000 people died of drug overdoses in America last year. That's almost as many as died in Vietnam in the whole war. That's just one year. But it's self-inflicted. And you know, I know. It fractures families. It fractures churches. Sin fractures churches. It's fracturing our churches. It weakens the family. The building block of the church is the family. And if a family is weak, the church is weak. In John 10.10, Jesus said... The thief, talking about Satan, he said, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The words of Jesus aren't meant to take away our fun. They're to save us from traps and to make sure that we have the real fun, the life-lasting fun. And there's only one way to have that, and that's putting our faith in Jesus Christ. John 6, 47 says, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. And when you believe in Jesus, it's not everlasting life doesn't mean when I get to heaven someday. When does everlasting life start? 
the moment you pray and put your faith in Jesus Christ. That instant, that's when life starts. It's awesome life here and it goes on in eternity. And anyone can have it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. came up and they set the bear trap and He said, Now, I'm going to put a blindfold on the, the Son and I want you to walk across the stage while not stepping on the bear trap with a blindfold on. But I want everybody in the audience to start cheer, you know, yelling where to go and what to do. So he did. The kid's got the blindfold on. He starts to walk. We're all yelling, No, don't go there. Go here. Everybody's yelling at the same time. He couldn't, he couldn't make heads or tails of what we were saying. All these voices telling him all these different things, right? Finally, finally as he started getting close, the guy said, Stop. He said, Now, I want you to listen to one voice. He said, Dad, you tell him where to go. And the dad talked him across, around the bear trap. Don't listen to the world's cheering and shouting and lies. Who's that person? Your father, your spiritual father, our heavenly father. We have to listen to their voice. Their voice to avoid those traps. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian yet, but you realize, maybe for the first time, that sin has deceived you. That sin has tricked you. That sin has scarred you and damaged you. It's a lie. It's separated you from God. And now you're in an empty life. You can see where it's going. You fell for the false advertising. You see that. But today can be the day that you're set free. In John 10.10, Jesus said... The thief, talking about Satan, he said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The words of Jesus aren't meant to take away our fun. They're to save us from traps and to make sure that we have the real fun, the life-lasting fun. And there's only one way to have that, and that's putting our faith in Jesus Christ. John 6, 47 says, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. And when you believe in Jesus, it's not everlasting life doesn't mean when I get to heaven someday. When does everlasting life start? The moment you pray and put your faith in Jesus Christ. That instant, that's when life starts. It's awesome life here, and it goes on in eternity. And anyone can have it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. As we go this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've been fighting against God, but you've never taken that step of faith. You've never become that new person. We saw the baptism video, that picture of a new life in Christ, dying to our old self, coming out a new person in Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Him. But today can be the day you surrender.
the day you give your, this is, could be the day you give your life to Jesus and start a brand new life here and now that will last until all of eternity. The prayer of faith, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You can have that eternal life right now, right where you are, right this moment. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of surrender. God, I repent of everything in my life that goes against your will, your purpose. I repent of every sin in my life. I I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus who died on the cross in my place who was a substitute for me who gave his body and blood for me. I put my faith, my hope, my trust in your son Jesus And I give him my life. I'm going to follow Jesus. I give you my life. Forgiveness, faith, and follow. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, your life will never be the same. Whether you're 8 years old or 80 years old, your life will never be the same. You now have God's Holy Spirit living inside of you, convicting and encouraging and leading you. You now have a relationship with God as your Father. He's not someone to be afraid of anymore. He's someone that you can go to at any time. You have now have a love relationship with God as your Father, your Heavenly Father, through His Son, Jesus. I want to encourage you to let somebody know if you've given your life to Jesus. Tell me on the way out. Fill out the card, stick it in the box. Text me, call me. If you came with a family member or friend, tell them, tell somebody today so we can be excited for you and encourage you. And while we're finishing up this time of prayer, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to the rest of us? Maybe you've already put your faith in Christ, but you know God's working on something. Would you pray the prayer of surrender? Say, God, whatever you have to do in my life, to bring me to my potential, to accomplish your purpose, that I could have peace and joy, whatever it takes, Lord. I surrender to you. I'm going to persevere through this struggle and grow the way you want me to grow. Father, we pray that whatever you're doing in our life, we pray for your mercy and grace to persevere through it, to stay surrendered, And Lord, if we're really, someone's really struggling here, I pray that you would send them to just the right person, 
the right friend, the right Christian fellowship to get help for their struggle, whatever that is. You would help them help each of us to find someone we can trust and share what we're going through because sometimes we need extra encouragement and accountability. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.